8.35. Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And I'm super excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to speak to you today. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Roasting as usual. I thought it was mid-September. Maybe I was wrong. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's not. <laughs> it's so hot. The very hot weather warning is in force right now, so you're not oh, wrong gosh. about it being roasting outside. Roasty? Ro- yes, roasting, 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 yes. roasting outside. Yes. Um, well, lovely to hear you, Noreen. I know it's been so long, and I'm really glad to be chatting with you um, um, on air and just chatting with you in general. Um, it's been a few <laughs> weeks. Uh, I've been off a, a, a bit poorly, which I think your topic today is very, very apt for my experiences and for perhaps many others who often go to the doctors. Yes, well, I'm, I'm talking about the stethoscope today. Um, and mainly because of how it just, I just find it to be such a, an emblem of doctors and medicine and hospital and everything else. Um, I have a daughter who requires kind of, I would say, semi-regular uh, doctor checkups and things like that. And um, part of that's kind of like trying to make her comfortable with doctors and com- uh, is buying many toy doctor apparatuses including stethoscopes right um and it it just seems like it just conveys it's just this emblem of what it means to be a doctor is if you have a stethoscope around your neck that's all you need to be a halloween costume and you are a doctor um and i was just really curious about them um i haven't i haven't held one since i was probably a child like a proper one you know one that actually works um uh, but I was wondering, have you had one recently used on you at all? Uh, yes, um, w- with my hospital visits recently, I have, and they are quite interesting. I, I used to have a, a well, it's not a fake one, I suppose, it's it's a real one because you can really hear it. And we also have um, a stethoscope for hearing aids. Um, as uh, some of our listeners may know, my daughter wears hearing aids, young Kipper. Um, so we have a, a stethoscope to make sure that we're hearing what she's hearing. Anyway, that that's a topic for for another topic. That's but amazing. It's quite fascinating, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> um, it's quite an incredible invention, the stethoscope. And as I started to look into it a little bit more, Nog, I found it really, really fascinating. I think it's like any of those take them for granted and and I think when you see a stethoscope and often you take your like I think when you have young kids often using a stethoscope is because they're having a listen to their chest right mm. because they've got a cough or a cold and you want to see what's happening um in their chest um and it just it always just seems like quite a basic instrument you know like okay you're just listening but like how much could you really be hearing um but a lot <laughs> and it changed it absolutely changed <clears throat> the way medicine happened now just so for anyone who doesn't know what we're referring to when we're talking about a stethoscope we're talking about a stethoscope which is basically uh, ear tubes connected by um, a, a spring to hold them in place on either ear um, by uh, binaural that would be binaural two ears um, and these have, and then you, that obviously comes down, you've got little ear tips that go in your ears, you've got the tubing, and you've got the diaphragm, the round bit at the end that you place against, um, uh, you place against 
somebody's chest or back or other places as well, apparently. You can use it to listen to someone's intestines. I didn't know that. Mm. Someone could listen to your intestines with a stethoscope. Um, probably be quite a <laughs> kind of noise. But, um, <laughs> Sounds like the ocean. Like the ocean. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so stethoscopes, they have this... Um, that single head kind of chest piece with the diaphragm and a bit of a bell shape to it as well. And um, then uh, you can apply different pressure to this to hear different levels of sound. I didn't realize that either. So how hard you're pressing with that little chest piece circular bit and someone's chest or back or whatever can alter how you hear as well. Um, now, before we had that scope, physicians would place their ear directly to the patient, which was known as immediate auscultation. And they would percuss the chest, which basically is a series of gentle taps around the body with their fingers um, to kind of work out, uh, to listen in. So they'd have your ear pressed against someone's body and then be tapping their chest um, to hear the frequency of sound there. Which actually, apparently, that process of tapping is still used today. And I realize, of course, it is. I've seen it, it happen quite a few times. Um, the uh, And, of course, uh, this was obviously something that works reasonably effectively, I think. Um, most people said it did, but it got a little bit embarrassing um, to everyone. Um, and we can talk a little bit about how it actually came um, to be that people stopped putting their ears to people's chest. So um, once upon a time, this was, uh, this was a passage that ran in the London Times in September 19, um, September 19, 1824. It said, a wonderful instrument is now in complete vogue in Paris. It is quite a fashion. If a person complains of cough, to have recourse to the miracle, miraculous tube, which, however, cannot effect a cure, but should you unfortunately perceive in the countenance of the doctor that he fancies certain symptoms exist, it is very likely that a nervous person might become seriously indisposed and convert the supposition into reality. Now, that, just to decipher that a little bit, basically it was saying that there was this uh, very fashionable instrument. This is describing the stethoscope, this new novel medical instrument. And it was difficult for us to imagine that once it was briefly judged to be fashionable, but people thought it was not practical enough to have any therapeutic influence. But of course, little did they know, the invention and evolution of the stethoscope would radically revolutionize the way that physicians practice medicine in the 19th century. So you can even hear your intestines. I mean, that's pretty. You can even hear your intestines or your blood flow as well. Wow. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so in 1350 BC, this is quite a long time ago, Hippocrates, as we might know, is the father of modern medicine or whatever he's called now, um, advocated for a method called succession which entailed shaking a patient by the shoulders and directly listening to the, for the sound in the chest. Seems, well, of course, it makes a lot of sense. Um, now, for the thousands of years since that point, physicians have listened to the internal sounds of the body by pressing an ear against the patient's body, as I said, in immediate assaultation. This was, sounds like a Christmas carol, immediate assaultation. Anyway, this was the norm until 1816 when a Dr. René Lenec, a 35-year-old French physician, was consulted to see a young woman laboring under general symptoms of diseased heart. Okay, so he got called to see this woman who was 35 and she had um, all these problems because she had diseased heart. Now, he was reluctant to press his ear against her chest, which you could probably understand, I suppose. <laughs> it wouldn't be particularly accepted today. Maybe he was yeah um, embarrassed, yeah. 
yeah, a bit embarrassed to stick your face on your patient's chest if she was a young woman. Um, so he, what he did is he rolled a sheet of paper to create a cylinder and pressed one end to the patient's chest and the other to his ear. And he was delighted by actually how much more clearly and loudly he could hear the sound of her heart than the usual method. It reminds me of one of those, you know, two cups and a rope in the middle. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. And um, when we talk about, like, why he thought of the idea, apparently um, one account says that he came up with the idea when he saw school children playing with hollow sticks and realized that the sound of scratching at one end was amplified through the other end, right? So, um, so this is sort of the kind of the reason that he thought to roll up this piece of paper according to one, to one source. Now, the problem with his, his invention that he'd created um, was that it was monaural. It was just, you could only listen to it with one ear, right? Now, He's um, practicing, Dr. Lanek is practicing medicine in an era where tuberculosis was an incredibly common disease. Um, and he was interested in studying the sounds of the diseased chest filled with pus, fluid, or cavities. Delicious. Um, and he spent three years improving this instrument he created so that he could indirectly oscillate, which is, um, you know, so he could actually listen to their chest. In 1819, he published his design, which was a hollow wooden tube that was 3.5 centimeters wide and 30 centimeters long. And he published this in a book called, his book, which is called A Treatise on the Diseases of the Chest and on Medius Assultation. And at first, he was tempted to name his great invention, the cylinder, based on its shape. <laughs> the cylinder it wasn't very original. Um, um, I but hope you trademark that name. <laughs> exactly. It would be a very different world today. Um, but thankfully, he was a little bit more creative than that, and he settled for calling it the stethoscope, which comes from stetho for chest and scope for viewing. Oh, I did not know that. I did not yeah. know that either. Wow. I did not know that. Um, now, unfortunately for Dr. Lenek, um, he ultimately died at the age of 45 of tuberculosis, oh. the very disease he spent most of his life studying. In only 10 years, after he refused to place his head to the breast of a woman. <laughs> so, mm. um, yeah, so poor guy. But um, his, uh, his, of course, his, his stethoscope, which was monoral, um, meant he only had one ear for listening. Now, almost immediately after he published his book in 1819, um, physicians jumped on trying to perfect his design by adding earpieces and changing the shape of the bell at the end oh. in 1843. So, about 30, just under 30 years later, Charles Williams invented the binaural stethoscope using two bent pipes and lead earpieces. And after rubber became commercially available, Philip Cameron came out with a flexible design in 1851 with a shape similar to the one that we know today. So the kind of the traditional stethoscope that we're familiar with. His version had ivory earpieces, a wooden chest piece, um, and a woven tube held together by a rubber band. Um, so it sounds like a little bit of like a, a vintage collector's item. <laughs> being honest. Um, um, in the 1960s and 70s, um, Dr. David Littman, a Harvard Medical School professor, developed a lighter stethoscope with a tunable diaphragm and better acoustics. So it seems like this very simple device, right, to listen. Um, but it's incredible how much innovation had actually gone into this particular um, 
this incredible invention. Um, it was embraced quite soon after its um, invention. So it wasn't, it was first in France and then it rapidly spread around the English speaking world. Um, and over 300 medical students, before Dr. Lanik died, over 300 medical students attended his lectures to learn how to use it effectively. Um, so it's kind of incredible if you think about it in that way, that it just became this um, pretty incredible revolution for listening to the chest. Amazing. I'm um, blown away. Yeah. But um, despite the popularity of the stethoscope, of course, you're always going to have your naysayers. And not all doctors were ready to stop pressing their ears against their patient's chest. <laughs> um, um, and so, uh, so a lot of the time they said that... Um, uh, there was in, in 1890, a Harvard professor in clinical medicine defined the art of assultation as both immediate and mediate. Although he admitted that the stethoscope provided aesthetic quality, better acoustics and convenience when examining, examining, and I quote, dirty or female patients, he commented that a good oscillator is not dependent on his stethoscope. And he urged his students to practice both immediate and mediate oscillation. So he, he taught his students, this is in 1890, he said, okay, you can use a stethoscope, but also learn how to do it with your ears and listening and tapping and everything else. Um, and even as late as 1975, an Italian physician felt the need to submit a letter to the editor of Circulation, which is a medical journal, um, titled Immediate Assultation, an old method not to be forgotten. Uh, so there were people in 1975 saying, okay, yes, we can use stethoscopes, but I think we should also listen to people's chairs. Um, and actually the editor rejected that physician's argument that fine vibration could not be appreciated with a stethoscope and that palpitation by hand was not sensitive enough. Um, stating that palpitation combined with proper patient positioning um, usually brought out gallops adequately. So it's basically saying like um, people have just said, well, you know, you need to use all of the tools available to you. You can't rely on anything. Um, but even today, of course, the stethoscope remains an indispensable bedside diagnostic instrument that all medical students must possess at the start of their education. And I, I was meant to, before we chatted today, talk to any doctors I know um, and ask them, like, did you ever get, do you have your own stethoscope? Like, do you have one just for you? Or, like, do you share them? Do you uh, clean the earpieces between doctors? You know, because I always I think, think they people... must have their own. It's sort of like, you know, every DJ has their own headphones or something. I don't know. Right? Do you think that's the case? Do you think there are different brands? Or do you think it's just <laughs> whichever one's available? Yeah. If you've got, like, oh, mine's got tortoiseshell and yeah. <laughs> mahogany wood. <laughs> purple headpieces uh, yeah I, I, I don't know i don't know but um but yeah but the thing is um it's it is really interesting it, it so it, usually it can be used to listen to your heart or your breathing but as i said it can be used to listen to your intestines or blood flow which is also incredible yeah so it's incredible what we can what we can learn from actually just listening listening to somebody's um to somebody's body and it is i i do find it um really incredible that like so we it hasn't changed enormously do you know what I mean it's just a way of listening so like minor improvements continued until the kind of 20th oh before I say that so I think I mentioned the doctor Dr. Cameron who um who created this kind of commercially viable variation the one yeah he was the one who made the kind of heritage vintage collector's item on with ivory earpieces right now, he never patented his invention because he wanted it to be available to all doctors 
which I think is quite lovely. Yeah, that's really, really lovely. Thing. Yeah, I, I'm just really sort lovely. of on Google searching for a stethoscope, and you know there are different types too, like pediatric stethoscope, nine hundred twenty-three Hong Kong dollars. Add to cart. <laughs> no, I'm not going to really add it to cart, but. <laughs> It's kind of cute, yeah. And and I have seen that because you know when 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 Kipper was born, she had to go to NICU, and I'd just like see the doctors with their little stethoscope, just on Aww. the babies, and they're so Aww. cute, really really cute, yeah, smaller oh than regular ones. Aww. Oh, I guess they'd need to be, wouldn't they? Yeah. Gosh, bless. Um, but they do they they do keep changing and things like that, and they um there has been some sort of um there has been some inventions. Um, in, in the 1940s, one version had a side for the respiratory system and the other side for the cardiovascular system, oh. um, which is interesting. Um, in the uh, 1960s, as I said, David Littman invented a lighter stethoscope with better sound. And in the 1970s, electronic stethoscopes became a thing, although the quality of the sound was often limited since they tended to amplify only mid-range sounds and not low or high-frequency sounds. Um, so that's kind of interesting too. And more recently, there has um, there has been a doctor called Dr. Tark Lubani who used a Littman stethoscope as the basis of an open source, low cost, 3D printed stethoscope hmm. that could be used in places where medical devices are in short supply. Wow. So, I was yeah. just looking at the Littman, um, that they have cardiology stethoscope. Those are quite pricey. Those are like 2,700 Hong Kong. And then you've got the other ones, which are typically between 1,000 to 1,500. Yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. It would be a great pub quiz question to be like, what's the average price of a medical grade stethoscope? Because I would have, until you just said that, I would have no idea. No. I, I would think they were quite a basic item, but I guess they're... Not. Yeah, and you can get the ear pieces, the earbuds to replace them. That they're they're just over a hundred Hong Kong dollars to get. Oh, that. right, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. You can mix and match with your um your usual headphones. Exactly. I do remember. Um, I do remember being pregnant though, and having you know, there's just that that kind of monaural stethoscope. I don't know what it's called. I should have looked it up. Um, that a midwife would use on your stomach to listen oh, to a baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't so, know what I mean, they're called. It's quite amazing that with all the kind of um, the incredible advances we have in medical technology and imaging and everything else, um, sometimes it's still first port port of call just to whip out your stethoscope and have a listen, right? Yeah. Um, Hmm. Yeah. But I I don't think I could actually own one because it would freak me out all the time. If I tried to use it just to play with my children, I'd just convince myself that it didn't sound like what it was meant to sound like. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know what it, what I'm supposed to be hearing for. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't worry know. too. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be in anyone's hands. They should be only in trained hands for a stethoscope, exactly. I suppose. Yes. Anyway, that is stethoscopes. Excellent. Um, stethoscope. I, I was going to say, have you got any quotes to end on? Or oh, I've got, I've I didn't. Do you have some? <laughs> um, I can quickly do a quick Google search and see what sorts of um, um, quotes I can I can come up with. Let me just oh, uh, stethoscope quotes. Really, there are some. Oh, there are some, but they all get a bit they all get a bit heavy, don't they? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Probably not so. Yeah. Okay, never mind then. Shall we just end with a song then? (laughs) Well, as usual, it's so lovely to to catch up with you and I look forward to uh, more chats with you next uh, Wednesday. 
Indeed. I look forward to it. Chat to you later. Bye, Cruzy. See you. Bye.